Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. Uh, We've got a wonderful show in store for you today uh, with a wonderful guest on the phone with me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. But first, of course, we have our quotes of the day from Mike Dooley in the universe and from Abraham. So why don't we just kick it off and get right to it? Um, so we'll start, of course, with our quote from the universe. Let's see what they have in, what the universe has in store for us today. No matter how much money or love you've made or lost, you can still make more. Get down on it. The universe. Ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. No matter how much money or love you've made or lost, you can still make more. I guess uh, the universe having a little fun with us today, uh, reminding us that no matter what our experiences are, no matter, and, and this one actually really strikes home with me <laughs> because uh, I've made money and I've lost money. I've, I've uh, had wonderful projects that worked out amazingly and I've had projects that um, didn't work out so well. So, uh, you know, life is not all a, a straight line. Things aren't always going amazingly great all the time. Sometimes things don't work out so well. Um, and, uh, the thing is, as long as we're breathing, as long as we still have life in us, as long as we can still take one step in front of another, uh, we can always make more money or love. And I would say money or love or anything else in our life, you know, no matter how many friends we lost, we can always make more friends, no matter, um, how many experiences we've had in the past, we can make more experiences. There is always uh, greater heights that we can climb to, that we can aspire to. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's not necessarily about, you know, uh, making more money, having a bigger house, you know, having a bigger business. It, it, it's about uh, having greater, I'm going to say greater variety of experience in our life. I mean, to me, money is not the most important thing. It's a great tool. It's a wonderful resource to have. Um, But people, connection, community, experiences uh, are worth uh, as much, if not far, far, far much more uh, than any dollars in the bank account. So uh, a great little quote from uh, Mike Dooley in the universe. We love our quotes from the universe. And actually a pretty good quote, I think, for our guest today. All right, let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. Most people don't think that newborn children could be the creator of their own reality because they are not even talking yet. But the universe is not responding to your language anyway. The universe is responding to your vibration, and your vibration is about the way you feel. Abraham. Mm. Yeah, this one really goes to the heart of Abraham's message so much. And and, uh, this is something I really try and hone in on and really try to... uh, impress upon people as much as possible that 
you know, the law of attraction is, is not just about creating vision boards and goals and, uh, you know, picturing yourself in whatever kinds of situation that you want yourself in. It's really about the feeling. It's about how we feel about it. Because how we feel about whatever it is we're looking to bring into our lives, that is what the universe responds to. That is uh, the, how shall we say, that is the real magic in, in creation. Uh, and that's why I, I always tell people that the universe does not know the word no or not. Uh, the universe reads our energy, reads our, our, the pictures in our mind. And the pictures in our mind are always what is the thing that you're focusing on. And when we say things like, I don't want to have a difficult relationship in my life, the universe doesn't hear the word don't. It hears, I want... I want difficult relationships in my life. Uh, and, and when we're focusing on those things that we don't want, the, the, that focus and the feeling, the energy we're putting towards it, the universe is responding to that by like, okay, that's what you're focusing on. I guess you want more of that. So when we focus on something that really lights us up, that makes us feel wonderful, that... That, that makes us feel more alive, that feeling, that, that energy that comes with that feeling, that's what really brings whatever it is we're looking to create into our life. And so that's why when Abraham says, you know, the, the universe is not responding to your language, it's responding to your vibration, and it's about the way you feel, right? Our vibration... Our vibration is, is just think of it as the energy that, that is imbued in our body, in our actions, in our, in our, our words, and everything. And so the more uh, energy, the more love, the more joy, the more happiness, the more positivity we just feel about what it is we want to create. And, it, and just as an example... Uh, many of you know this, that I'm in the process now of, of rebuilding uh, my transformational side of my business, you know, the coaching, speaking, training side of my business. And it's not about, I mean, yes, I have financial goals. Yes, there's money that I want to make, but it's not about that. For me, that's merely a representation of the lives I get to touch by doing the work that I do. And that, to me, is the real goal. That, to me, is the real joy when I think about, wow, if I can touch the lives of hundreds of new people, thousands of new people, you know, tens of thousands of people, if I can touch their lives in a positive way, like that makes it all worthwhile. That makes it a beautiful thing. And that's why it's, it's, it's the feeling behind it. It's not the numbers. It's not the counting. It's not the, the, the materialistic goals behind it. It's, it's the energy we bring to it that the universe responds to. And that's the real magic in all of this. That's what really drives us to create. I mean, just think about it. Do you know 
any successful person that that the energy they put towards what it is they wanted to create was like, oh, yeah, I just think I'll do this. Or was it like, yeah, I really, oh, my God, I love this, and it's all they talk about. You know, that's the real secret sauce. That's the magic behind uh, what we're really looking to bring into our lives. So two wonderful, beautiful quotes of the day from Mike Dooley in the universe and from Abraham. I hope you enjoyed them. I, of course, always do. And uh, yeah, I would say they're, they're rather apropos for my guest who I have on the line today. So let me now uh, introduce to you Adam Markell. Adam is an international speaker, best-selling author, and executive business mentor who works with organization and individuals to create high-performance strategies and resilient work cultures that lead teams forward in times of change. After building a multi-million dollar law firm, Adam reinvented his own career path to become CEO of the largest business and personal growth training companies of one of the largest business and personal growth training companies in the world. Adam credits much of his success through the principles he learned as a Jones Beach lifeguard in New York. Yes, a fellow New Yorker. Uh, he's found that the kind of leadership, resilience, to hand, uh, resilience and high performance that was required to handle 100,000 100, people on a crowded summer beach with over 100 rescues each day, wow, equally applies to any business that wants to build a competitive advantage to win. Adam is currently the CEO of More Love Media, Inc. His latest best-selling book is Pivot, The Art and Science of Reinventing Your Career and Life. And Adam also hosts the Conscious Pivot podcast, which yours truly happened to be a guest on not that long ago, where he shares his insights on pivoting in today's fast place, marketplace and society. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Adam. How are you doing today? Wonderful, Sam. Thanks so much for having me as a guest. It's, uh, it was a pleasure to listen to you read those quotes. Uh -huh. I know, I know uh, at least one of the two people that, that you quoted from. He's a, he's a friend and somebody that we spent some time with, Mike. Oh, really? And uh, In fact, I was just with him last week in Panama. So. Oh, really? So, oh, cool. What a fun coincidence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Mike Dooley. He's, he's, uh, he, he always has such a fun and... and, and uh, interesting way of looking at life don't you think i do yeah you know it's interesting when i was listening to you describe that idea of uh making and losing money um i, w I was thinking to myself the 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 way that i might reframe that myself these days mm -hmm. um, is, is in looking at it in, in a bit of a different uh with a bit different analogy let's say okay um and that is to, to think of it the way you think of the tides, think of the ocean, ah, and how the tides come in and go out. Yes. And, and that's the thing about money or about relationships or about health or lots of other things in life. They're very similar to the tides in, yeah. in the sense that they naturally flow in and they flow out. And if we can be accepting of that, of the fact that those things, like all things, have, have a cycle to them, uh, are season are seasonal in that sense are, are flowing in flowing out um, in our lives then we don't necessarily have to resist them we don't have to be uh, en energized in a negative way about it or have a negative charge around the fact that maybe we have bills to pay or that we have taxes to pay or that or that we've invested money and those investments didn't pay off or you know right. those kinds of things because 
the the way the lens, as you you were saying, the lens that we look at things uh, through becomes the thing that we actually experience. And it's, it may sound too simple on some level, but what we do have absolute control over, maybe the only thing, is the is the lens that we choose to look at these things through. Right, and exactly. that's where that's where we regain control uh, of of our freedom and our our lives, and where we also then can see something different show up right, for us. Right. So yeah, excellent. I love but, that. Uh, appreciate Abraham as well. She's just divine, yeah. and I remember <laughs> there was a time. Uh, when I was living, we don't live in New Jersey any longer. We live mm-hmm. on the West Coast. We, uh, when I took over in, in the role of running a, a company that was based in San Diego, we moved our family about eight, nine years ago. But uh, at the time when I was a lawyer and commuting into Manhattan and had a, a lot of time in the car, when I wasn't feeling great about my life and I wasn't feeling great about what I was doing and you know, just a number of other things, I used to listen to Abraham. Uh-huh. Abraham was, uh, was a... Uh, was a gift and a, and a blessing to me at a time when I was really feeling quite lost. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I find that uh, I, I know a lot of people when they when they're meeting with challenges that that, that uh, you know the, the the old go-to sometimes just just lift your spirits and make you feel a little bit better. And and I loved what you said before about the tides because sometimes I feel that we can get so disconnected to nature. And, and we lose the, the real basic lessons of nature, the, the different seasons, in that everything is not the same all the time. There's not just spring and summer all the time. There's winter and there's fall. And, and the tides, like you said, they come in and go out. And that when we learn to really embody and, and follow nature instead of fight against nature, that somehow that just makes life easier and and then we don't have quite the uh, emotional highs and lows um, that really bring us down, and we don't beat ourselves up as much because we realize, oh, I'm just experiencing winter right now instead of, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, m- missing uh, out because I, I messed up. Right. Exactly. It's you, you may you may long for spring, you may long for summer, right. but winter is a thing. It's right. an important thing in right. in nature, as you said. It's an important thing in 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 each of our own lives. So it, it's for me more about getting to neutral. This yes, is the place I am in my life these yeah. days, where finding neutrality, as opposed to finding myself attached one way or another, and uh, positively or negatively. Right. We we know that that things shall pass, not just. You know, the old expression, this too shall pass. <laughs> we hear people talk about that, right? And, right. And, or say that, and usually it's when, you know, it's explaining something like the loss of a person right. um, or some hardship, some heartache in our lives. You know, the, this most recent uh, tragedy involving the, the people that were on the helicopter with, oh, with Kobe yes. Bryant and all these people yeah, and their families yeah. and their children and every, all these lives that are impacted as a result of something that we can't make sense of that just doesn't seem to have any, any rhyme or reason to it. Right, right, and, right. and there's that, that concept of, you know, again, this too shall pass. People will get through it. Right. But it goes both ways. It's, again, it's yeah. the tide coming in and the tide going out. Right. Because this too shall pass is not just the things that we, we prefer didn't happen. Right. It's everything. Right, Meaning exactly. You're, you're, you're in a good time in your life and things are working for you and you know, you're happy, what, content, whatever the work. You know, this too shall pass. Right. <laughs> right, right. And, and I think that's what's beautiful about it. Right. Is that 
because none of this is permanent. I right. mean, it, we're going back to sort of more Buddhist principles, Buddhist. Yeah. I suppose. But <laughs> you know, Buddha didn't have a, didn't corner the market on right. on the concept of impermanence. Right. Um, but but most notably in that in that spiritual practice, there's a, a lot of focus on how we let go right. of being attached to things being being the, the way they are, you know, right. uh, and and also the, the way we want. Okay, Adam, let's hold it right there. We've got to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about your background, kind of how you got started, you know, being a lifeguard and all that stuff, you know, going to be a lawyer and, and how, you know, kind of your path a little bit that brought you to where you are today, okay? Sure. Okay. All right. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Uh, we do this live every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live. And we will be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour is Adam Markell, CEO of More Love Media. So, Adam, you, you uh, started off your career, I guess, as a lifeguard in Jones Beach in New York, a fellow uh, uh, East Coaster at the time. Um, you had some experiences there on the beach that really were very formative for the way you approach life, didn't you? Absolutely. Um, 19 years on the, uh, on the beach, 19 years old, and, and starting out in a very uh, serious environment. It was, li- it was life and death context on that beach. And people that, that may have been there, even people, let's say, in the, in the New York area that may have been to Jones Beach know mm-hmm. that that 
is a place that a lot of people from the city come. A lot of people get that, that don't, uh, let's say, have a pool in their backyard and want to get out of the heat in the middle of the summer yeah. <laughs> uh, in New York, go, go there. And we get massive crowds. Have, and yeah. it, to this day, that's still the case there. But yeah. it's about a half a mile wide stretch of beach at Field 4, which is where I work. And yeah. we get 100,000-plus patrons on the beach on a, on a, on a Saturday or Sunday in, in July or August. And uh, I remember that first summer that I was there, we, uh, we heard something that was kind of unusual. We didn't, lifeguards communicated with each other using whistles. Mm-hmm. And so one whistle was a way to get somebody's attention. Two whistles okay. signaled that we were, a rescue was in progress, and we were, we were making rescues all day long, uh. Uh, most days. And three whistles, that was a very different thing entirely. If you heard three whistles, you knew that somebody was missing. There was a swimmer. Somebody was. Oh, really? Uh, uh. You know, had gone down. And uh, on this one particular day, I heard these three whistles. Myself, the rest of our lifeguard crew ran to the main stand where the captain of our field was telling us that someone was missing at the adjacent field. We were at field four and field three. They had lost somebody. So he Ooh. told us, run down there. It's a search and rescue. And we did. We ran down to the field and, and saw that there was a big crowd. People were pointing out into the water where they had last saw this missing man. And uh, we dove into the ocean. We swam out through the breakers and formed the pattern. We created a pattern to do a search. And for more than an hour, we would dive down into this dark, cold Atlantic Ocean water yeah. and swim into the current and come, come straight up for air. And, and when everyone was up when everybody's heads were visible again we repeated that process over and over and over and over and over for more than an hour i mean we were shivering wow. we were cold we were blue oh, um, and and we didn't find him oh you never found Exhausted. the person oh. no we, di- we didn't find him and uh and actually what was so remarkable that day um for me and for for all of us was that we, we came out of the water really dejected we really yeah. very upset and came back ran back to our beach and our captain at the time, he led us in a moment of silence. And when, when we were done with that, he looked at each of us and he, and he said a few things that I'll never forget. He said, mm-hmm. no one goes down on our watch. Mm-hmm. No one goes down in our water. And then, and then he said this thing to all of us. Uh, he said, you either make the save or you die trying. Ooh. And I mean, more, more than just a little intense, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a statement yeah. that, uh, that I, has resonated with me that day and, and ever since. And for seven summers that I worked there, I was, I was still living in New York and going, uh, I was a teacher at first. I was teaching middle school English. And so I had my summers free at that time. I could be a lifeguard. And then I went back to school to become a, a lawyer. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I also had my summers free to work at the beach. So for seven summers, I um, I worked there, and we never lost anybody again. No one ever went down in our water oh, again, wow. and uh, and that was okay. pretty. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was just we created an impeccable environment. It was a, a, a mm. very specific kind of a culture that existed among lifeguards, many of whom were teachers and uh, were firemen and some police officers, some lawyers. Interestingly enough, it was kind of a funny thing that way. So, so um, I imagine and, and that culture was very strong. I, yeah. I, I imagine that that lesson is something that really, uh, you know, struck very deep with you. That was something you were able to bring forward into the rest of your life, that that's not just something for being a lifeguard. That's something for how you live your life. 
it, it became my mantra personally. And so when I was a lawyer, I would look at my clients in the same way. I just, I made up my mind that no one was going to go down on my watch mm. and okay. that I wasn't going to endure the pain and, and what it was like to see, to see the faces of the, of his, this man's family. And, and just every aspect of that was, was just awful. And, um, and so I looked at, at things in that, in that way. I was guarding. I was living a very guarded life. As a lawyer, it was my job to guard other people, to guard my clients. Sure. I was guarding my family. I was guarding my finances. I, uh, the only person, the only thing I wasn't guarding was myself, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> so right. I got, I was like, you know, the 70, 80 hour a week workaholic, uh, which today doesn't even, I don't even know if that qualifies as workaholism anymore, the way yeah. uh, people are being <laughs> driven, especially entrepreneurs. You know, it's almost like there's no boundaries yeah. between, between home life and work life and that kind of thing. But I got so exhausted that it was, uh, you know, sort of six, seven years into my, my practice of law that I realized I was putting my feet on the floor in the morning and I was just having this sense of dread and mm. even anxiety about about the day and uh i kn- i knew that that i was um yeah i was depleted my energy was down and and at a certain point i came home from work late one night I and mean, it was one of those things that it was pretty routine we were living in new, Jer- in new jersey at the time and i was my office mm-hmm. was in manhattan and i i would tell my wife i'd be home for dinner and i wanted to be home for dinner and most nights I didn't make it home for dinner. I think uh, a lot of people know what that's like. And yeah. I walked in one night after 8.30 or, or so at night in the cold, rainy evening in, in, in Jersey. And as soon as I walked in the door, I looked at my wife's face and I could tell. I just saw her face and I knew it. I knew not only had I missed dinner, I'd missed the kids going to bed. I'd missed the opportunity to read them a bedtime story. I mean, we had, we had four kids and, and family meant so, so much to me. And, and here I was just living really out of alignment with what, what my highest, my, my own in, inner values were. And, right. uh, and I walked up to her and I said, if, if I keep doing what I'm doing, you're going to be a widow. And that was a very telling moment, Sam, because mm. my, uh, my beautiful, wonderful wife, she, she took a breath. <laughs> she looked at me and she didn't remind me about all the responsibilities. And we had how, how, house, car, and, and, and other things, cars, and, and four kids. I think we had gerbils. We had two dogs. We had goldfish. I mean, I had a lot of, <laughs> a lot of responsibility for a lot of living, wow. living beings. And uh, she didn't remind me of it. She just took a breath, and she said, we'll figure it out. And, and what that did for me in that moment was it meant I didn't have to quit my job. I didn't have to jump ship. As, mm. as sometimes people say, you've got to jump ship when you're not doing something that you want to be doing or that it's, it's just not looking like it's your long, your, you know, sort of long-term plan. I didn't have to move to Fiji, even though Fiji would have been <laughs> lovely. I didn't have to have a midlife crisis. Right. Um, we instead created a midlife calling, and over the course of two and a half years, I was able to find some guidance, make some small changes to what I was doing, including what I was doing for a living. Mm. Um, and I ultimately wrote a book about it, Pivot. The book you mentioned right. in the introduction, The right. Science of Reinventing Your Career in Life, is a book that compiles everything that I learned in that two-and-a-half-year period where I was reinventing myself and my, my career path. And the book mm. became a huge bestseller and, and has enabled yeah. me to now speak all over the world and, and work with people who are doing much the same, either exploring right. how they pivot in the current uh, situation that they're in or sometimes, as, as the case may be, um, the universe 
to use the universe term, yeah. uh, the universe <laughs> has delivered them a change. Right. And nobody on that that uh, you know that helicopter the other day that we we right. talked about. None right. of, no none of those people, none of those families were counting on that that change. No, right. Nobody was. Right. Just like when people right. get fired from a job, or when their business goes bad, or when their health, you know, when they get a diagnosis of something, nobody's really planning for that. Right. And those are pivots as well, and they're unexpected. And so, how to handle those and what to do in those moments is very much the subject of the book. It's the subject of what I, I talk about uh, a lot, as well as the the, the pivots that we plan. Right, conscious, right. to use that term, the conscious ways that we that we change things in our in our lives. Right, right. Yeah, I love I love what you said in the example of like you don't have to jump ship. You don't have to go from one extreme to another. Which in in this culture, in this society, sometimes I feel that there's this tendency that you know we have to completely radically change everything as opposed to really taking our time and being intelligent about moving from one thing to another that we don't have to, as the old expression goes, throw the baby out with the bathwater. We can take our time because maybe while what we're currently doing may not be our calling and it may not be the, the, the thing that lights us up, but it pays the bills, well, let's not just dump that right away. Let's figure out what we can do that lights us up, start building that to replace what we're doing, and then we quote-unquote jump ship when we've got that replaced enough, doesn't have to be necessarily quite to the same level, but at least it's replaced somewhat so that we're not putting ourselves in a position where we have to struggle. Because I, I see so much, sometimes people say, oh, that's it, I've had it, I quit, and they leave, and then they have some savings that they're living off of, but that goes bef- pretty quickly, and then they're they're putting themselves in a position of real struggle to, to build themselves back up, which may not necessarily serve us in any given moment. Absolutely, Sam. Stru- struggle is optional. Right. And, I, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's easy to say that. Somebody might say, oh, it's easy for you to say that. We, we have a, a house on the Cape, and, um, and for years we've, we've had this place. We've rented many years before we bought it. And, and there's a little pond that we drive over in, in years and years ago, right around the time when I was in my pivot, um, we noticed that they were they were doing something. We're building something on on one side of this this bridge, and it's a drawbridge where you know sailboats and things can go mm-hmm. underneath. And yeah. so we stopped and pulled over, and we asked the, the member, the I guess it was like an Army Corps of Engineers guy, what they were up to. And they said, well, this bridge here is an old bridge, and we don't think it could survive another storm, another uh-huh. major nor'easter, that kind of thing. So we're building a bridge to replace it. And I thought, wow, this is the great. This is a great analogy for pivoting, yeah. at least the way that, that I was looking at it, which is that if they had torn down that bridge, they would have stranded everybody on both right, sides, right. whereas they, they maintained the old bridge while they built the replacement bridge. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what you're describing, Sam. Yeah. The, the yeah. reason why when people ask me this question, and it, it is one of the most uh, sort of uh, prevalent questions, you know, do I just quit? You know, I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. Mm. It's not what I know I'm supposed to be doing. And all that good stuff, all that stuff that's, that's really great guidance from inside of ourselves. Right. And yet my answer is sometimes disappointing to those folks because they say, no, not, not just yet. Yes. Unless, unless you've got a trust fund or, yes. a, or a big bankroll <laughs> where you just don't have to have any money pressure while right. you're right. creating this new bridge. Um, I'd maintain the old one. And, yes. uh, 
there's a, a, a sort of an addendum to that story, which is, I think, pretty funny. They, they completed the, old, the new bridge and then tore down the old one, and that was the story. And then fast forward another year later, they're building again. And so we pull over and going, okay, what the heck is going is happening now? I mean, it's like years and millions of dollars, and we right. ask somebody what they're doing, and they say, well, yeah, you know, the, bill, the bridge that we built was the emergency bridge. It was like a temporary bridge uh, to replace the one we thought was going to fall down. The one we're building now is the permanent bridge. And I thought, <laughs> wow, this, this story just got so much richer because how often in our lives the, the thing that we even replace the old bridge with isn't necessarily the permanent bridge. Right, and, right. and that's the story of pivoting, right. that, that we will be pivoting probably for the rest of our lives mm. in one way or another. And mm. once you become artful at it, once you understand the art and the science of doing it, right. well, there's nothing to be afraid of. Right. And in fact, you can do it over and over and over again. Right. Um, but don't expect, let's say, that the, the bridge you built to replace the one that's not working is going to be the one that takes the you permanent to the permanent bridge, right. It could, right. Right. But, but, but it might not. Okay, let's, um, we got to take our next break. When we come back, um, it's great. You're kind of like setting it up perfectly for where I want to go, which is talking about now pivoting in today's economy, today's business environment, today's society. Um, how is it different than maybe it was 20 years ago or in the past? And, and what lessons that we need to be more mindful of today so that we pivot more consciously? All right. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc. And we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with Adam Markell, CEO of More Love Media and a fellow TEDx speaker. I saw your, you, you, had a, you did a TEDx at in uh, Lake Tahoe, right? South Lake Tahoe, yes. yeah. It was a blast. Cool. We actually, it's so, so fun. We, um, we now work with TEDx speakers. We train speakers. It's one of oh. the things that our business does. And uh, Wonderful. there's a lot of people that want to deliver a TED Talk, and I think it's a it's one of the most powerful ways not just to create a message, you know, something that you, would be a lasting message that mm-hmm. is almost like a legacy for for a person, but it's a great way to build credentials as a speaker in the, in the public speaking industry. Yeah. Really yeah. cool. I, I did a TEDx talk myself, uh, and, and although it w- it's okay, I know I could do better, and it's also the message I delivered at the time. I mean, it's okay for at the time, but today I would do a much different TEDx talk, so I, I definitely have to uh, uh, work on get, uh, doing another one in a different topic. Anyway, but we're here to talk about uh, pivoting and, and resilience and, and coming back. Now, today things are changing so rapidly. Uh, I think we can all agree that in every aspect of society, business, uh, uh, community, culture, uh, everything is moving so much more quickly than it did in the past. Now, it was, it was a number of years ago that you pivoted from being a lawyer into doing this kind of transformational work. Do you feel that today, pivoting and changing, that those same principles still apply, or the, have the dynamics changed a little bit? Meaning the the principles that helped me to pivot? Is that what yes. you mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. No, I think that many of the principles are, are more universal in nature, and yet everything is continuing to evolve. So uh, there's never a time when anything is static. And I think the whole situation is always fluid, so I, you have to take into account the context of, of things like where you live and, and what's happening in the economy and the micro uh, sort of micro-markets that we find ourselves in, depending on what it is that we want to be doing for a livelihood, et cetera. But the big things, the big, the big things in terms of how you navigate a pivot and how you plan for one, et cetera, I think those things are more universal in nature. And, uh, and I couldn't agree with you more. I, the, the Times is, is uh, Bob Dylan, I don't know, in 1966 or something, yeah. 67, <laughs> you know, saying the times, are cha- the times they are changing. I mean, that couldn't be any more true today than it was back then. Yeah, yeah. So what do you see are people's biggest challenges with, with pivoting today? You know, when people come to you and they, they, they talk to you about, you know, I'm trying to change this or I'm trying to change that, are there any general themes? Are there any kind of uh, particular challenges that seem to stand out more today? Well, I, I mean, your mindset is still the universal principle yeah, that, yeah. that gets in the way or or helps, you know, facilitates the the change. Um, and by that, I mean, within the within the, the the framework of the mind, we have things like fear, and, and yeah. fear has a has a place. Um, it's wired. It's hardwired into our brain. It's a part of the way our brain is is is. Um, is composed, and from the very beginning, it was useful. I mean, the amygdala and other areas of the right. brain, the more mm-hmm. old, the older regions of the brain, the reptilian brain, right. um, is there to stop us from getting getting uh, run over by the bus in, right. in New York <laughs> City, which used to be getting eaten by the tiger or the lion or whatever it was years and years ago. 
Um, and we have this default network. That's, mm. uh, it's, that's the term that's uh, uh, yeah, the default used for it. It's mode a, network. Yeah, yeah. The default, yeah, the default network mode that we, we fall into. And it's that mode that keeps us looking for safety, looking for certainty, looking for, and I think people are addicted to certainty. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm a recovering certainty guy and uh you know it shows up in people that are perfectionists often because perfectionists are also great procrastinators you know if it can't be the way they want it to be if it's not perfect it's not ready to you know launch etc it kind of never never um you know is the right time etc etc um we we learn so much from getting in into the game, into whatever game it is that we want. We learn so much from yeah. being on the field of play. And, and for me, it's always a question of what, what is the, the way to, to, to get into the field of play um, and, and to learn something in the process. You know, everything is a creative opportunity. That's right. what my wife has, yeah. has been telling me for years and years and years. So even when things don't go well, even when you make mistakes, I mean, you think about how it's been ingrained into us. Again, this is a mindset piece component of it. Um, how from the time that we were very, very young, even before we went to kindergarten, we learned that making mistakes was, was uh, costly. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. learned that, that being wrong was, was, you know, was something that we, there were consequences for that. Right. And, right. and consequently, we stopped taking uh, certain chances. We, many people, because as, as I said, we work with people who, who want to speak, um, in various aspects of their business, or they actually want to get paid to speak and that kind of thing. And a lot of times we go back to the mindset that was adopted or established when they were very, very young, and, and they would ask the question, why? And they were told, you know, the, the usual classic answer. In fact, I'll ask you, Sam, when you would ask your parents, you know, why do I have to brush my teeth? Why do I have to go to sleep? Why do I have to get up, you know, out of bed, et cetera? What, what would your parents typically say to you? <laughs> because I said so. <laughs> that. So you and I had the same parents, and probably people had to laughing right now, going, "Hey, yeah, my parents are the same, right?" So we all had the same upbringing, right. um, and this was the, this was the short answer. And so people, we've all been in many ways trained not to ask that question or not to ask questions. And right. and and like me in my early childhood uh, educational experiences, when I would ask a question in class or I was asked to answer a question and I didn't have the right answer or my question wasn't you know the right question. There was always, like shame. There was uh, sometimes kids would laugh. The teacher might laugh or deride you for, for right. that kind of a response. And so you get trained in many ways to just be quiet yeah. and to take as little chances as possible. And we all know that, that the, the key to success in business, certainly in entrepreneurial pursuits of any kind, is to be able to make, to learn so much about what. And, and I want to take, take a little exception with something you said at the very beginning. And it's okay. not really so much taking exception as it is creating a distinction. So do okay. we have time to do that right now? Or are um, we on, why don't you hold break? that? Because we've got to take a break real quick. Let, let's do that when we come back. And then let's finish up the show talking about resilience, okay? Beautiful. All Go right. Ahead. So hold that thought. Everybody stay right where you are. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. And we'll be right back after these messages. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. All 
I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. Adam, we got about 10 minutes left to the show. Uh, you wanted to make a distinction of something I said earlier. I'm always happy when people disagree with me. <laughs> it's not so much a disagreement, Sam, but I'll just say that conventional wisdom has been in the personal development arena for many years, that you focus on what you want, not what you don't want. I think you were, you were chatting about that at the very beginning. Right, right. Um, what, what's interesting to me is that often we, we want to ignore the mistakes in our lives. In fact, we, we want to make the fewest mistakes humanly possible. And that's, again, been trained into us since we were really young. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But to me, it, it's, it's also been my experience that when we know what doesn't work, that's when we know what does work. When we know what we don't want, that's right. the clearest indication, great clarity yes. about what we do want. Absolutely. So it, it, is, it's, yeah, so it is one of those things that we want to just examine um, in ourselves and, and look at those mistakes as being great indicators of what what could be done differently. Right. Um, well, and uh, even better. I, I mean, it kind of goes to the core of, you know, not making a mistake bad. I mean, that's the, the real kind of uh, uh, symptom or, or the real difficulty is in this society, like making a mistake, like, oh, my God, I made a mistake. Oh, no. But if we look at mistakes, it's like, hey, it's a natural part of a growing process. Congratulations. You made a mistake. Wonderful. Now you know something. Then it's not, Then you're not so hung up on the fact you made a mistake, and it's not that you want or don't want to make a mistake. It's just okay. It's part of nature where we started off in the beginning today talking about the ebb and flow of nature. That's just natural. So we don't need to be so judgmental and critical and upset by it. There are certain technology companies right now that have adopted this philosophy of right. encouraging mistakes. Yes. And, and, and the way that they do it, I mean, it's got to be more than lip service. So they actually reward members of the team, or somebody's leading up a project, let's say, and they, and they realize that the project's not, not going to work or it's not going well. Right. And they kill their own project and they get rewarded financially rewarded for killing off the projects early 
as opposed to the way that we go uh, in normal circumstances, which you, you're going to yeah. just try to prove that you're right, prove that you're right. And, right. And because the, the idea that you'd be wrong or make a mistake might mean you get fired. So you just put it off and put it off and put it off. It's like if you kill that project, good night. Yeah. <laughs> financially. Right. Cause you, the so earlier it, you it, kill it, the more money you save by not putting into a project that would have eventually failed anyway. Exactly. And uh, that's just an essential pivot. So. Yes. And that, that also, as a segue into this next part, right. um, that's resilience. what creates resilience. Yes. That creates this ability to, to, to live to fight another day, to be able to go the distance. Um, right. Because if, if, let's say, they did continue to sink their money into it, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs will do this as well. You know, yeah. you sink your money into something so long oh. because you're, you're not able to recognize that it's not working and, it's, right. and there's something broken. Um, that, that idea that you've got a sunk cost and because you've got a sunk cost, you have to keep plodding forward in your job and your career and your, your, your business idea that's not working, but right. you keep plodding forward because of all the cost of time, money, and energy you put in already. And that's what bankrupts them. That ultimately is what knocks them out yeah. of the box when ultimately how you succeed in business and in so many, so many other areas of life is by living to fight another day. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me in real estate. I, I had a project right at the wrong time. And uh, yeah, everything went south. And I just kept it alive for at a good two years. I should have definitely dumped it like two years earlier than I did just because I had all, so much money put into it and other people's money put into it. And I was just trying to break even. I was just trying to turn it into something that we just wouldn't lose everything. And instead, I just lost more money. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? Hindsight's easy, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As I say, it was my PhD in real estate development. So um, <laughs> I will definitely never make that mistake again. <laughs> yeah. um, so resilience, how does one build resilience? How do we, you know, train that muscle, like going to the gym and build it up over time? We've only got about four or five minutes. And this is exactly what, what I would say you focus on, that you build it like a muscle, just like we build our brain cells. We build, build the, the neuroplasticity in our brains like a muscle, and when we use it, then it grows. And when we exercise it, it grows, and when we don't, it atrophies. And so resilience, I'll give you a, a, a real like, sort of a formula for how you create resilience, and that is the first thing you do is you look at situations with the eye toward reframing them. It, it doesn't mean that you don't see what's really there or that you take a Pollyanna view of it, you know, a rose-colored glasses view. But instead, you look at the opportunity to reframe that situation in some way to find the meaning in it. Right. Because you must find the meaning and you must find the wisdom, the nugget of wisdom, as my grandmother would say. You, you've got to find those things in, in order to learn something, extract some, some nugget, some golden nugget out of what that situation was. And so reframing in many ways is language. It's the language that we use verbally ourselves, and it's the inner language, the inner dialogue that we use. So the first step in any situation that might be happening now or when you think about things from the past like the one you just described, it's to reframe it and to look for what the creative opportunity is in that situation. What is the creative opportunity? The second piece is very much a, a lesson about GPS. And we all know that when we're in our cars, and we make a wrong turn, the GPS, like in your car, my car, it always does the same thing, right? As soon as you make a wrong turn, it goes, you idiot. 
I can't believe you did that. It's just like your father said. You never listen to anybody. You never follow directions. That's what your GPS says, right? No. <laughs> Mine doesn't say that because uh, I reprogrammed it. It used to say that. Now my GPS simply says, recalculating and sometimes it's in a british accent recalculating right yeah. take a right turn up here it, it's as simple as wherever you are you can recalculate you can recalibrate you revision in other words where where it is that you're going from where you currently are that's the second piece of creating resilience this is a trait of resilient people that they reframe and then they also know how to recalculate recalibrate um, and the third piece is recovery all of our research, many, many Harvard Business Review articles, lots and lots of research supports the, the concept today that resilience is not about endurance. It is not about mm. getting the Night Owl Award. It is not about mm. your ability to go further on, on less fuel. Because we all know that with a car, when you, when you run out of gas, you're stuck on the road. We right. know it with our, our tech, with our phones, with our computers. Right. When we run out of battery, everything goes dark, and it's the same for us. Right. What all the studies and research show is that resilience is about recovery. And so we uh, need to create and adopt rituals for recovery, rituals right. that help us to recover mentally, emotionally, physically, and even yes. spiritually. Yes. Resilience, in other words, is holistic. It's yes. not just physical. Yeah. And, and for the large part, for most of us these days, our fatigue is actually mental fatigue. Yeah. And so it's, it's about learning more, and maybe it's, for, for a future conversation, but certainly something that we can, we can share with people on our website and, and through our work, right. how it is that you actually create that resilience holistically. Right. What are the things that you do to recover during the day, in, right. the, in the evening, and when you sleep? Because that's the last piece of this puzzle. When you can reframe situations, when you can find that you can recalculate your position, revision, in other words, and you are able to take better care of yourself to recover right. the way athletes, Olympic athletes and professional athletes do, right. then you're, you're able to be resilient in the face of any storm, any situation, any, any change, which we know is a constant these days. Yeah, yeah. There, there are many, many examples of people who maybe had a, a traumatic physical injury and they recovered physically, but they never really recovered mentally until something happened to really show them like they need to recover more than just physically. And, and then there are those amazing, amazing people who have some traumatic thing and they, they haven't quite recovered physically, but because they've recovered mentally and emotionally, they've gone on to do amazing, great things, uh, regardless of what whatever challenge had come to them. So it's really, it, it's looking at all the different aspects. I'm so glad you brought it up, that it's not just physical or mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual, and, and it's so important, just like the seasons, right? Winter is a time for rest. You know, when we've gone through some tragedy, we need to, we're going through our winter. Adam, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the show today. If people want to learn more about you, find out more about what you do, uh, where can they go to learn more? Wonderful. Well, you know, we have a resilience assessment tool that's free. And, oh, and wonderful. Uh, I'll give you the URL for that. It is client.resiliencculture.com. So, again, we, we, we typically will use this with our clients, but it, it's a free tool, and it's something that your people can, you know, anybody listening who wants to find out exactly how you're doing on the resilience scale and not only what your score might be, but what you could do to improve on those those four in those four quadrants it's client.resilienceculture.com and people can go to adammarkell.com if you want to find out more about uh, myself and our, our speaker trainings or 
to even book me as a keynote speaker at one of your events at markell.com. Wonderful, Adam. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing your experience, your life with our audience. It's definitely uh, enlightening, and it definitely uh, warms my heart to uh, to always have such uh, fascinating and, and like-minded guests on the show. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Sam. It's been a pleasure. You're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. Give my regards to Randy as well. Oh, I will, for sure. All right. And a quick shout-out, of course, to all of my uh, wonderful listeners and watchers on Facebook. You know, without you, uh, we don't have a show. So I uh, really appreciate um, Please feel free if you want to send in your comments or questions. You can either do it on the Facebook video or you can email me directly at sam at theconsciousconsultant.com. And uh, I just want to, a quick announcement for those of you who uh, may have gotten dropped off the uh, talk radio newsletter. We, we're starting a new mailing list. So uh, we just kindly ask that you go to our website, www.talkradio.nyc, and put your email address back in, resubscribe, um, because we're, we're starting a new newsletter due to a technical glitch that we had happened last week. Um, but we still definitely want to keep in touch with you all. So if you want to stay in touch, um, please just go to the website and um, uh, sign up. So thank you all for tuning in. Next week will be another one of the Sam-only shows. I uh, can't believe it's been four weeks already, but it's the first week of the month, and that's a Sam-only show. And I uh, don't know what topic I'll be talking about just yet, but you can be guaranteed it'll be a fascinating one, and we will have a great conversation. So everybody, please take care. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned. Next up is uh, Ken Foster with his show, Voices of Courage, um, talking about the courage to awaken wealth. Uh, in your life. So uh, stay tuned on talkradio.nyc and we will talk to you next week. Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Talking Alternative. 
Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 